Welcome back to the Ask Pastor John podcast. Ryan, a podcast listener, writes in to say this. Hello, Tony and Pastor John. I am a frequent listener of the podcast from Northern Ireland, and I find all of the resources at DesiringGod.org to be extremely helpful and insightful in my walk with Christ. My question is about God regretting his decisions. Two times the Bible says that God regretted something that he had done in the past. And in at least 15 places, the Bible says that he regretted or that he might regret something he was about to do in the future. Now, I stumble over the idea of a sovereign God regretting something as though he would do it differently if he had another chance. What would you say to Ryan, Pastor John? This is a huge and important issue. Back in the mid-90s, mid-1990s, I was embroiled in disputes over what is called open theism, which argues that God is open to the future in the sense that he does not have exhaustive knowledge of what is coming in the future. And so he's open, ended. Now, I regard that position as profoundly wrong, unbiblical, dishonoring to the Lord, undermining to the gospel and to his purposes in the world. So you can see why I was embroiled in this controversy. One of the arguments used by open theists is that there are passages in the Bible where God regrets or repents, as the old King James says, what he has done and therefore must not have been able to foresee what would come of his decisions. Otherwise, he would not have done them if he really regrets them. Now, Ryan, in asking his question, has mentioned two of these, Genesis 6, 6 and 7, and 1 Samuel 15, 11. So what what I'm going to do is take just one of those, 15, 11, because I think if, if we can show how one is explained, and and other passages in the Bible fall into place as, as well. When Saul disobeys Samuel, God says, I regret, or King James, I repent that I have made Saul king, for he has turned back from following me and has not carried out my commands. That's 1 Samuel 15, 11. So some have argued, as I said, that Since God repents, regrets, making him king, therefore, if he had it to do over again, he he wouldn't because he couldn't see what was coming. Else, why would he repent or regret if he knew in advance the consequence of his decision and chose to do it anyway? Now, I don't think that is a compelling argument against God's foreknowledge, complete, exhaustive foreknowledge, of what was going to come of Saul, and for for several reasons. I'll just mention a couple. Uh, one has to do with the complexity of God's emotional life, and the other has to do with the context in 1 Samuel 15, where I think the writer explicitly does something to keep us from drawing a wrong conclusion about God's foreknowledge. So the first the first problem with that view is that it assumes God could not or would not lament over a state of affairs that he himself chose to bring about. But 
that assumption, I think, is not true to experience and not true to the Bible. And and more importantly, God's heart is capable of complex combinations of emotions infinitely more remarkable than ours. He may well be capable of lamenting over something he chose to bring about. Um, And God may be capable of looking back on the very act of bringing something about and lamenting that act in one regard while affirming it as best in another regard. Here's an example from, from my experience. See if this helps. If I spank my son for blatant disobedience and he runs away from home because I spanked him, I may feel some remorse over the spanking, not in the sense that I disapprove of what I did, but in the sense that I feel some sorrow that the spanking was necessary and a a part of a wise way of dealing with my son in this situation, and great sorrow that he ran away. If I had to do it over again, I would still spank him. It was the right thing to do, even knowing that one consequence would be alienation for a season. I approved the spanking from one angle, And at the same time, I regret the spanking from another angle. If if such a combination of emotions is possible for, for me in my finite decisions, it's not hard for me to imagine that God's infinite mind, the infinite complexity of God's emotional life would be capable of something similar or even more complex. But most important is the context of 1 Samuel 15, not just my effort to try to imagine God's emotional life. Verse 11, I repent or I regret that I have made Saul king. Then he says, as if to clarify and protect us from misusing verse 11, he says in verse 29, so this would be 28 verses later, I mean 18 verses later, The glory of Israel will not lie or repent or regret. For he is not a man that he should repent. Now, the point of that verse seems to be that even though there is a sense in which God does repent, it says so in verse 11, he did. There's another sense in which he does not repent. Verse 29, same word in Hebrew. He does repent? No, he doesn't repent. And the difference would naturally be that God's repentance happens in spite of perfect foreknowledge, and that's what it means to be God, while most human repentance happens because we lack foreknowledge. God's way of repenting is unique to God. God is not man that he should repent, the writer says meaning God is not man that he should repent as a man repents in his ignorance of the future. For God to say, I feel sorrow that I made Saul king, is not the same thing as saying, 
I would not make him king if I had to do it over. Oh, yes, he would. God is able to feel sorrow for an act in view of foreknown evil, foreknown pain and sorrow and misery, and yet go ahead and do it for wise reasons. And so later, when he looks back on the act, he can feel that very sorrow for the act that he knew was leading to the sad conditions like Saul's disobedience. One of the great implications of all this is that when God makes a promise to us, he does it with complete foreknowledge of all the future circumstances and is therefore never caught off guard by anything. And so his promises will stand according to his infinite wisdom. Yeah, that, that is a great assurance. Thank you, Pastor John. And thank you for the question, Ryan. These are the great, thoughtful, and sharp questions that we love to get. Send us your questions. Go to our online home at desiringgod.org forward slash ask Pastor John. And there you can send us an email with it. Well, speaking of important questions, we have about 30 of them all on the same subject uh, in the inbox over the years as to whether or not it's sinful to watch porn with a spouse. Oh, man. It's next time on Wednesday. Pastor John will weigh into this more common than you might expect question that we get. I'm your host, Tony Ranke. We'll see you then.